Welcome into A La Carte Sports. My name is Lundy. With me right now is Cameron Peterson, our producer. Uh, out this week, Sean Davenport. He's taking care of his wife during car troubles. Um, he'll be back with us next time around. But uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to have you back. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. Coming up on the show, we've got a few, few interesting things to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Utah Jazz and kind of how they've, they've been looking in their playoff odds. Uh, we're going to talk about this interesting uh, grudge match between Sean Miller and ESPN. Who's right, who's wrong. Um, just all the drama there. That's kind of like an early March Madness present. Um, but uh, to start today, we're going we're gonna to keep it here locally. A lot of basketball for you, and we're going to start with the University of Utah. So uh, they just wrapped up on Saturday with a nice win over, over quote-unquote rival Colorado. You know, that, that forced rivalry game that all of us love so much. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, Utah looks great in it. Um, the downside to it, David Collette rolled his ankle early, landed on a teammate's foot, really, really looked like he was in a lot of pain and did not come back for the rest of the game. And it, it sounds right now as if he's doubtful for tomorrow night's game in the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really thinking he's gonna actually play, which makes it tough. I mean, he's arguably the best player on the youth, so mm-hmm. it makes their chances tough of winning. And of course, I mean, big picture, the youths want to make it into the tournament, and without a W, without a win in the Pac-12, without taking home the title, there's there's just no way. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that you know the youths are sitting right on the bubble right now, and a lot of people are thinking a good showing in the Pac-12 tournament will punch that ticket. Me personally, I think anything short of a title, they they go they go nit. Um, and David Collette, they're going to need him. Uh, they can probably get away with tomorrow's game not having him. They could probably rest him and be okay. But if he's out for much more than that, I don't I don't really like Utah's chances in the Pac-12 tournament. No, and I mean with in regards to that, you hope that they can get a W um, in their next game so they can hopefully play with him in two weeks from now. So Right. So the Pac-12 tournament's been interesting so far. Uh, it started off with Colorado and Arizona State, which Arizona State, I, I don't really know what's happening there. They looked great in the, in the non-conference schedule. They had, I think, one loss. They beat a couple of really good teams. I think they beat Xavier. They beat uh, Kansas, both on the road. I mean, you know, they were ranked in the top five at one point. And they, <laughs> they finished ninth in the Pac-12. Yeah, not and, looking so hot at all. And yeah, Arizona's kind of the powerhouse in the state. But Arizona State, I mean, it's a it's a basketball state. They they produce really good basketball players, and it was very surprising how far Arizona State dropped. Mm-hmm. But uh, the real game to keep our eye on it'll be coming up a little bit later tonight. It's Oregon and Washington State. Uh, the winner of that. Goes on to play Utah tomorrow night at nine thirty. You mean the Ducks are going to be playing? Yeah, the Utah? Ducks. Washington State. If by some miracle they win, that would be great. That'll really, you know, I, I think in that case they would probably rest David Collette because they won't need him to beat Washington State. They probably won't need him to beat Oregon either. But after that game, you know, the next night it'll likely, barring some unforeseen craziness, it will likely be USC, and that's going to be a game where they really need David Collette. USC has been good this season, and they have worked Utah twice in a row. 
ranked second in conference play, and they're always a tough team to play. Yeah. Always a tough team. They've really, really come on strong in the past couple of years. Um, Utah's going to need their best effort to get past USC, and then if they can do that, that might be enough to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. I don't think so. They would have to probably beat Arizona, which, I mean, good luck with DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is a beast. That guy is, by a lot of people's expectations, going to be the first pick in the NBA draft this year. He will be. And there's, there's no doubt. Yeah. Watching him play, I don't know of anybody else that I would take over him. That guy is an absolute freak of nature athlete. He's big. He's athletic. He's long. He has all the talent in the world to be a very good contributor in the NBA. So, I mean, Utah's really got their work cut out for them. Um, I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to see. I love tournament basketball, especially conference tournament basketball. That's when it gets crazy because every team is playing every day. Um, there's no breaks. There's no rest. And so, I mean, sure, it gets a little bit sloppy at the end where it's, you know, guys are just kind of like meandering up and down the court, not because they're taking taking plays off, but because that's all the gas that they've got left in the tank. You know, shots are just clanking off the rim and the backboard and just, you know, it's not the most beautiful basketball, but it's so much fun. Yeah, not not great looking basketball, but basketball nonetheless. And as a basketball fan, March is the best time of the year. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love March Madness. I'm so excited. Selection Sunday is one of the best days of the year. And then, you know, the tournament, which I just barely, through my TV provider, they just barely added all of the other channels for March Madness. So I, I, I wasn't expecting to be able to see it all, but now that I have those channels... You best believe that that TV is not turning off for the next month. It is. It's it's 24 hours. It's just all I can eat, all I can view. I'm just stuffing my eyeballs full of basketball. Do you uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on who's going to win it all? Well, I, I I'm going to have to see how the 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 bracket fills out first. See you know who ends up where and what the seedings are and things like that. Um, I mean it's always hard to. You know, pick against some of the powerhouses like, you know, Kentucky, Kansas, UNC, Villanova. Um, and so, you know, th- those are kind of a lot of the gimmies. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think that I'm hoping for a good couple of Cinderella runs this year. Um, I don't know that any of those will, I don't think we're going to get a Cinderella all the way to the end. Uh, you usually don't, you know, the clock strikes, strikes midnight before the final four most, most of the time. Yep. But, I mean, you know, it's just, and most of all, though, I'm hoping that this is finally the year. I'm hoping this, if we finally get to see a 16 upset of one, I'm going to be running wild through the streets. I'm going to be screaming just till kingdom come. It's going to be like, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yep. It's it's only a matter of time. And with how talented teams are getting and with how into how well coaches are coaching these days, it's it's bound to happen. It is so bound to happen. Yeah, and I saw something like some stat- statistician broke it down, and they were saying, like, statistically speaking, we should have had a 16 upset of one sometime so far. We haven't yet. Like, I mean, you know, the the odds say that it should have happened, and it hasn't, and it's 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 going to be, like, it, we're due. We're due. There's been a couple of close calls, uh, but it hasn't happened yet. But regardless... When it happens, I will be watching to see it. I'm going to witness history, and it's going to be the best day of my life. And it's probably going to just have, like, knowing my luck, it'll be the team that I have winning it all. And it's just going to blow up my bracket right then and right there. <laughs> and I'm just going to be toast. Like, but I, 
I will never be so happy to be wrong as when a 16 upsets a one. It'll just be the best day of my life. Yeah, that's it's gonna it's gonna happen. You know what? We're just gonna flat out say it's gonna happen this year. <laughs> Bold predictions. Here we go. Yeah, I really hope so. I I oh, I really need. But no, I'm excited. I can't wait to fill out my bracket. Um, and if if history holds true, day one, you know that first Wednesday of the NCAA tournament, my bracket is perfect. I've never had more than two losses on the first day. Well, there you go. The second day, that's when. Everything falls apart. <laughs> the wheels just come off. I maybe get like one or two right, and so it's like I'm riding high, and I'm like, boom, there it is. I'm a, I'm a genius. I've got this. <laughs> like, you know, per- first perfect bracket, here we go. Next day, it's just like, yeah, no, there we go. You know, sometimes I can do really good through the, the first two days, the first two rounds, but as soon as round two hits, I'm guaranteed to just see that bracket fill up with red. It's just, it's brutal for me every single year. Yeah, my family, we typically do a couple brackets, do some at work. It's just fun just having camaraderie with everybody. And regardless of outcome, it's always fun to have bragging rights that you picked a team that you didn't know about until you heard of, that you saw their uh, team name on the, the bracket. And you're like, oh, yeah, I've known them for forever. And you become a, a fanalist, I guess yeah. you could say. Well, you know, and my usual go to thing where I like to act like I know more than I do is, you know, I look at it and it's the, the 12 seed versus the 5 seed. And because, I mean, statistically speaking, that's the. Most likely upset. to be, yeah. It's the it's it's the most common upset, and so I'm always like, oh yeah, this one's right here, and it happens, and I'm always like, you guys see, nobody should ever doubt my sports opinions ever. I'm always right, and then sure enough, I get proven very very wrong later. So, and another thing that kills me too. So uh, my mom she typically uh, wins the family bracket all the time, always. I think she's like four years going, and she doesn't watch anything. So, yeah, it's just fun. Now, it's it happens like that all the time. Beginner's luck is a real thing. My sister, her first year filling out a bracket, she was in college. She was a freshman in college, and she filled out the bracket, and everybody took a look at it and went, what are you doing? Like, you realize that no t- at no point in history have the final four all been one seeds, right? Guess what the first year that all four one seeds made the final four? It was that year. Her bracket destroyed everyone. So you you never really know. Like, I mean, even the best analysts are, you know, flawed and it all falls apart for all of them. So Yeah, no one's ever picked a perfect bracket. Yeah, it's never never happened. So but I'll be posting mine probably on Twitter, uh, for everybody to compare. Feel free to to compete with me and let me know how badly you're kicking my butt. Um I'm at twenty seven Lundy. He's at Cam seventeen Pete. Uh we'll be right back with a little bit more of a la carte sports. Welcome back. Today we've been talking quite a bit of basketball, um, and we we're we're not going to really break from that too much. I mean, it is March, and March Madness is on the brain. Um, our next story is a little bit less of the on the court basketball drama, um, and it 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 stems more from the story that broke this past September when the FBI came out and just said, "Surprise, we've been." living in the gross underbelly of college basketball for the past few years. We've found a lot of really illegal things going on. A lot of people that have been doing a lot of sleazy stuff that is one of the worst kept secrets in all of sports. I mean, everybody knew that this was going on, but nobody knew that the NCAA, or not the NCAA, the uh, FBI was, was running a sting operation in this. 
And even the NCAA, like they were like, oh, this is the first that we've heard of it. And the FBI is like, yeah, I know we're, we're, we're doing your job for you, which really isn't a surprise that the NCAA is not doing their job. It really is amazing how intertwined everything is between like agents and scouts and coaches. And then you got um, brands like Adidas or Nike making sure people are going to sign with them. Like it's incredible how intertwined all this is. It's just like, I mean, this is the new like face of organized crime. No longer is it guys in like trench coats with fedoras, you know, hiding in like a dark alley. Just like it's like <laughs> it's college basketball. And my favorite thing, though, is like, I mean, you know, a few weeks ago now, um, the NCAA is like, I mean, there's there's not really any way that we've been able to stop this. Like, we we need to make sure that this, you know, I mean, their statement that they came out, they're like, there's no place for this in college sports. And if we we allow this to continue, there will be no college sports. And it's like, guys, come on. But, you know, this was so well organized that the NCAA couldn't stop it for two decades and then the FBI shows up and they're like, hey, we found this piece of paper that has names and amounts. And it's like, oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> but part of that um, is a story that came out at that same time from ESPN uh, about Sean Miller saying that the FBI had a wiretap that caught Sean Miller himself discussing with an agent paying DeAndre Ayton $100,000 to come to the University of Arizona. And I will be the first on record to say that I had no doubts about this story. I took it hook, line, and sinker. I was like, there's no doubt in my mind. I have always disliked Sean Miller. I've always thought he was a little bit slimy. And sweaty. And sweaty. And, I mean, he just, like, this guy, like, yeah. I mean, I was totally bought in. I was like, that's it. That's It's done. He's never coaching again. Well, I mean, it's a perfect storyline, too, when you think about it, because DeAndre Ayton is going to be the number one pick or top pick whatever in the NBA draft like how did you get the best player on your team it just it fit the story too well right well and back when he committed too, like all signs pointed I think it was Kentucky or I don't remember might have been a bigger Kansas. name for sure yeah a huge name and it looked like he was all but a lock for that school and then all of a sudden overnight hey I'm actually going to go to the U of A and everybody's like wait what really are you sure um and so I was totally bought in. I was I was a hundred percent convinced. Um, then some things started to kind of you know I mean, ESPN within the first two days issued three corrections on this story, and that always kind of causes you to raise some eyebrows. Um, and it started to look like maybe ESPN didn't do their full due diligence in you know tracking down and vetting their sources and making sure that all of their information was a hundred percent correct. Um, now to, to, to be fair, the three corrections each time was a correction of a date that they said, this is when it actually happened. And Sean Miller, when that story broke, he and the university of Arizona agreed that it would probably be best that he not coach at Oregon that night. And it, and it, it makes sense because, you know, I mean, they've got to clear it. It, it broke hours before that game. And I mean, what else are they going to do? Like, Oh yeah, we can totally clear your name in this amount of time. They wanted to make sure that, you know. They're covering their bases. They want to make sure that they don't wind up with egg on their face. Um, but, you know, then the weekend passes and the University of Arizona announces a press conference to discuss Sean Miller. And everybody thought, this is it. They're saying we're parting ways. We're not, we're not okay with this. We can't stand for this. 
and the press conference starts and no University of Arizona official takes the stand, but Sean Miller himself does and reads a statement prepared by a lawyer. You could tell very well. A lot of lawyers speaking there. Yeah. And the the most shocking part to me was not that he just kept it vague, because I mean, at the beginning, he started out with, I have never paid a player to come to the University of Arizona, and I never will. I have never knowingly violated NCAA rules, and I never will. And I kind of expected that to be the gist of it, but then he went on and talked about there have been reports in the media that have been defamatory and false and inaccurate. And I was like, all right, he's throwing out some pretty accusing, accusing terms here, especially the defamatory thing. You know, that's that was kind of a warning shot over the bow saying, lawyer up because I'm coming after you. And he didn't name ESPN specifically, but everybody knew he was talking about it. And then he said, I did not, you know, there was nothing unclear about this. I did not speak with anybody about paying DeAndre Ayton $100,000 to come to the University of Arizona. He said very clear and specifically about this incident that was being reported. And you don't come out and do that if there are actually wiretaps of you. If you ever had that conversation, you know, you're not coming out and denying it when the opposing party is saying, we have this on tape. We know that this is going down. We know that this happened. And so that kind of started to make people go, all right, well, maybe there's something here. Maybe he's, maybe he actually is innocent. And ESPN immediately follows it up by saying, we stand by our reporting. And so both sides are buckling down, getting ready for the fight. And then my favorite thing was <laughs> Sports Illustrated <laughs> decides to get involved and piss off both sides at once. They just threw gas on this dumpster fire and then ran out before it could catch them <laughs> where they talked about, you know, their, according to them, their source close to the FBI probe said that the FBI didn't start wiretapping until 2017. DeAndre Ayton didn't commit until 2016, you know, I mean, like, or he committed in 2016. So, I mean, you know, if, if they're to be believed, there's no possible way that DeAndre Ayton was the player that they were talking about. Um, and they did go on to like, kind of explain the legal terms behind this. And they said, you know, all of this evidence, the wiretaps and things like that, the reason that it hasn't officially come out into the public eye yet um, is because it's under a federal protection or a court protection order or something like that. I don't remember exactly the legal jargon. That's not, I mean, you know, if this was a legal podcast, I'd get it right, but it's not, it's sports. Um, You know, but they, they talked about that this is something that's commonly done. The evidence is protected and only select lawyers involved in the case are allowed to see it. And they talked about sometimes lawyers that have access to these things will leak things like this to the media to gain a strategic advantage. So maybe that's what was done. And ESPN just completely fumbled the names and the amounts and the dates and everything. So it's not necessarily that this is a false story, but they might've said Deandre Ayton when it wasn't him. They might have said $100,000 when it wasn't that amount. They might have said Sean Miller when it could have been Book Richardson. I mean, we already know that the FBI locked him up. You know, he's, he was one of the guys arrested in, in, in all of this. So now Sean Miller has just a very interesting case against ESPN because he, he really could go after them for, uh, for damages to his reputation, um, for running with a story that was untrue and, and really hurt his public perception. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting too, is like, we're not out here saying that he didn't do it, but 
in regards to what ESPN has stated, Sean Miller clearly thinks that none of that was true. Mm-hmm. And he stood by that, and he wouldn't have said it if, I guess, wasn't in a sense. I don't know. It's still hard to say. And DeAndre Ayton still could have taken money. Someone could have paid him. Maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't Maybe it wasn't Sean Miller. Like Maybe his name isn't 100% clear. But as we know, this is the worst-kept secret in sports, especially the NCAA. Like, they... Mm-hmm. People go in and they'll do anything to get a player in a certain school. And if you're coming from a, a poor background and your family needs money, why wouldn't you take it? Yeah, I don't. I don't think the players are at fault at all. If someone no. offered me that kind of money, I would be like, heck yeah, I'm going there. Right. Well, I mean, you know, like the report just barely came out that in the past year the NCAA has profited over one billion dollars. But it's and, not about the money. But it's not about the money, and the, these players are being paid with an education, even though UNC is committing academic fraud and you know, not actually giving them real classes. So their education doesn't actually mean anything because they can't use it. But all of that aside, you know, it's not about the money. It's about the education. Um, But no, I would be actually very surprised if DeAndre Ayton didn't take money to come to the U of A just because of the circumstances around his commitment. But what I think is more likely, you know, and they don't have a wiretap of this, if, if the dates and everything are to be believed. They don't have a wiretap. But here's what I think happened. Sean Miller... He can come out and clearly say those things if he's got a guy like Book Richardson, who is the one that's heavily involved in this, and he just says, Book, come here. come Step in my office, close the door. DeAndre Ayton, I want him and I want him bad. Now, I need you to go out and get him. How you do it, I don't care. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Just get him here. Oh, yeah, it's good to have a fall guy. Everyone needs a fall guy mm-hmm. in the NCAA. And so Book goes out and he contacts agents or boosters or all these different kinds of people. And he organizes, you know, just these these cash channels. And he gets the money there somehow. And so, I mean, then Sean Miller can truly actually say, I have never knowingly violated NCAA rules because I didn't know. He knew, but he didn't. Yeah. You know, so it's like he knows something's happening but he doesn't know the details. They could hook him up to a lie detector. They could give him a truth serum, and he's just, you know, I I don't know. All I know is that I told my assistant coach that I wanted him bad, and he went out and got him. So, I mean, you know, do I think either side is completely right or completely wrong between ESPN and Sean Miller? No. But I can tell you that this is going to be a heavyweight title fight that's not going to end anytime soon, and I'm going to be watching these headlines a lot more closely than I was with even, like, you know, Conor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather, because this will actually be a more contested fight than that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting to see how this happens, and it's not going to get resolved anytime soon. Yeah, it, it'll it never get resolved. There will always be something. There's always going to be a fine line between what's right and what's wrong, and people are always going to push it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's it's been fun, and it's going to be fun to keep an eye on. Um, let us know what you think, what, what side you tend to lean a little bit more towards. Um, do you agree or disagree that both sides are dirty and both sides made some mistakes or do you think that you know sean miller is completely vindicated or do you think that espn is completely infallible uh weigh in on twitter let us know what you think i'm at 27 lundy he's at cam 17 pete we'll be back with more Welcome back. We are heading into our final segment here. This is a la carte sports. I'm Lundy. He's Cameron Peterson. Thanks for joining us here on a very basketball-heavy day of a la carte sports. 
Uh, we're excited to have you in. We've been talking a lot of college basketball, a lot of things, getting ready for March Madness. Very, you know, Utah-heavy. About half of it's been on-the-court stuff, half of it's been off-the-court stuff. We're going to change gears now, though, and take it to the highest level of basketball, the NBA. Now, as you know, we're located here in Salt Lake City, Utah, so we have a, per, a you know, kind of a, a slight bias, a, a personal affinity towards... Very slight bias. <laughs> you know, towards a little team called the Utah Jazz. So, if you were hoping to hear about other teams, we may or may not weigh in on that, but it's it's mostly going to be you know, very, um, very objective reporting about the Utah Jazz and how we want them to win. For example, uh, you know, 17 games ago, the Utah Jazz were in 10th place. Since then, they've won 15 games and have only lost two, and they are still in 10th place. It is an insane race right now in the Western Conference. I've never really seen anything like this. I mean, the Pac-12 Conference in college basketball was kind of like this where you know, it was very like the middle was just hardly in any separation, but that's kind of to be expected from a, a smaller league with a lot less talent. You know, the talent's a lot more evenly spread. Um, you don't expect that from, you know, a professional league where, you know, these are the best players in the world. I'm just excited. I mean, it is March, so like lots of basketball talk, but this March in particular, because of how close the playoff race is. It's just making basketball way more enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not just watching jazz games. I'm watching everybody. Right. You know, whereas before I'll just like check the final stats or check out some highlights of different games, but now I'm like wanting to watch them because I I want other teams to fail so that my Utah Jazz can succeed. <laughs> um, it's still. I mean, they have an easier schedule to get there to hopefully make the playoffs, but it's still going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a lot of a lot of games that the Jazz can lose. And from the Jazz teams of in the, of the past, you know, they will beat teams that they should, beat teams that they shouldn't, and always, always, always lose to teams that they to. I they've just got no business even yeah. being on the same court. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but I'm excited. They're playing at a very high level, and I think Rudy Gobert is really helping the Jazz be the best team that they can be there's there's been some uh local analysts and uh local radio personalities that have stated too like you know donovan mitchell he's bringing he's bringing all the the media attention he's bringing everyone in to watch the games but it's it's rudy's rudy gobert's team Mm -hmm. he's holding down the defense since he's been back the jazz have had the number one defense um, from his return from injury and it's just it's fun to watch and he went on to also say that yeah, the Jazz are the number one team since he came back, but they can still get better. And that's scary because there's there's times where you watch the games and it's just lockdown defense. It's it's not porous at all. No one can get through anything. It's it's insane. I've never seen such a system in Jazz history. I mean, we've had some good defensive teams when Coach Sloan was around, but man, Quinn Snyder and the the system they've got set up set up going, it's it is fun. It is fun to watch. No doubt. Um, I want to come back to a point that you made just about how it's, you know, it's really fun to watch the games right now because I, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, I went to a game just a couple of weeks ago, watched the Jazz get that get that very close win over the Spurs. And, you know, I mean, just NBA basketball in general, 
is really fun to watch right now. And I feel like usually at this time of the year and as the playoffs start closing in, that's only true for a certain number of teams because usually you've got the top seeds all locked in and it's just a handful of teams kind of fighting for that 7-8 spot. But right now, because of this parity, because of, you know, I mean, the Jazz have won 15 of 17 and are still in 10th place. These teams are all so close together. I mean, you know, the number three team could fall and be be like, you know, the four, five, maybe even six seed if they don't play well. And so, I mean, none of these teams are really locked in outside of maybe, you know, Houston and Golden State. And yeah, Houston, Golden State, I mean, they're top tier they're untouchable. No one can kind of catch up to their level. But mm-hmm. teams like the Pelicans and the Trailblazers that were kind of on the verge of falling out of the playoffs, they've just hit another gear, and yeah. they're balling right now. Well, and, you know, these teams have to be. Because, I mean, normally right now, you know, when you see a lot of those top teams kind of start, you know, they, they start kind of reeling back. They start resting a lot of their starters. They, they're not playing as hard, and it makes it less fun to watch. A lot of these teams don't have that luxury, and we as the fans are the beneficiary of that. We can tune into these games and see high-level basketball where guys are really trying hard to play because they understand that seeding is important and that, you know, not just the seeding, but they might not make it in. You know, what looked like a lock a few months ago is no longer a certain thing. And so you've got all these teams. This is a multi-team battle for slots three through eight. And yeah, and I mean, there's lots going on. You got the Spurs kind of falling because Kawhi Leonard hasn't been playing at all but he's likely to make a return here by the end of the month so that's going to help them so they'll probably kind of stay where they're they're at Damian Lillard has single-handedly made the Blazers not just a playoff team but possibly a contender in the West he's just been shooting lights out and then since the DeMarcus Cousins injury and for the Pelicans Anthony Davis has turned into the best player in the NBA man he had himself a game the other night 41 points. It was it was just stupid. Yeah, his his stat lines are incredible. But for the Jazz, you know, it's like how are they going to get in? How's it going to happen? And I think one of the big things too is the Jazz are a good team, but their bench has kind of been lacking. But that gets me excited because Dante Exum's supposed to return in about 10 to 14 days. Mhm. Um I he's going to be the difference. When he played in summer league with uh, Donovan Mitchell, they were a perfect one-two tandem. They they killed it. No one could seem to stop them. And now Donovan Mitchell is a way better player. Mm-hmm. Dante Exum, yeah, he's going to have to adjust, kind of get in more game shape. So I don't see him getting a ton of minutes right off the bat, but he's going to make the difference. He's going to be that bench guy that we've been looking for, that we've been needing. Yeah, I say we because I'm a homer. <laughs> I'm not a part of the team. <laughs> No, it's all good. I, I totally relate to that. Um, but no, I, I do think, though, that, you know, the Jazz are on a great, they're in great position right now. You know, they're they're in 10th place, yes. Um, but I, I believe it's a, a one-game difference. Um, at least it was. They just, you know, I just got the alert that the Jazz just beat the Pacers by 20 in Indiana, which, I mean, you know, that's no small feat. And you look at the rest of the schedule for for the Jazz, that was probably the hardest game they had left on their schedule, and they just won by 20. The Jazz should have a pretty easy time posting a good record through the end of the, the regular season, and the teams that are ahead of them have a much taller task. Yeah, uh, and I think it's good, too. I believe the Jazz still play the Warriors twice and Boston once, but the good thing on that is 
it's the end of the season. They're going to already have a lock, probably the first or second seed in both the East and the West. So they will probably play their stars about 20 minutes, and the Jazz can play their stars 48 and hopefully come out with a win. And I think it'll... I think the stars will align and the Jazz will squeak in. Yeah, no, I I see the Jazz, you know, I would love to see them higher than this, but I, I think they'll get in at like an eight, maybe a seven seed. Um, you know, that would, I feel like that would take a little bit more luck than skill. I think skill can get them into the eighth seed, no problem. Um, but yeah, no, I think that the, the Jazz, I'm going to go ahead and say it right now, they are going to make it. I'm going on the record as saying they will be there. We're going to get playoffs in Salt Lake City for the second year in a row. Yes. and Which should definitely put Quinn Snyder in Coach of the Year um, talks because he's not right now. Mm-hmm. And to have lost George Hill, to have lost Gordon Hayward, and to come back having pretty much the same amount of injuries as they had last year and make it and squeak into the playoffs, he, he honestly should be Coach of the Year. Oh, yeah. Well, and you look at where the Jazz were in January. You know, and to say he took that team and made the playoffs because January was not a pretty month for the Jazz. Nope, Jazz fans pretty much gave up, and we're already uh, starting the hashtag Tink note. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's so. I mean, I think that the Jazz they are on a great tra- trajectory right now, and the way that they're playing, you know, it's they could find themselves. I you know, it's going to be a tall t- tall order because I mean, if they're the eight seed, they're playing the Warriors. But, I mean, you know, a few months ago, they beat the Warriors by 30, gave them their worst loss in the Kevin Durant era, and that was without them resting their starters. Uh, the Jazz can be competitive. They can play with anybody in the league right now. Yeah, you know, at the beginning of the year, Dennis Lindsay said that he expected this team, like for opponents when they come in and play the Jazz, it would be the equivalent of going in for a dental appointment just because of the grinding defense that the Jazz were hoping to kind of lay on people and you know with all the injuries it was kind of hard to see and you're like "Eh, maybe not this year maybe next year but then with Gobert's return and Donovan Mitchell's um, game to where he's at right now Rubio finally figuring out the offense they're they're amazing it is a fun watch it's a must-see if you have league pass you got to watch the Jazz they're one of the hottest shows in town right now and I mean you know even when they were losing you know the stadium was full because Donovan Mitchell is such a fun player to watch um, they've got a lot of things going for them. They've got the new look court that they have sometimes. They've got those city jerseys that people are just eating up. I mean, you yeah, know. come on, Nike, make more. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a good time to be a jazz fan. Um, I mean, you know, people like me who grew up watching these all star players, you know, Carl Malone, John Stockton, and then kind of following off going, you know, like, I, you know, I was conditioned to expect greatness and now I'm not seeing greatness. So, I mean. You know, like, because I admittedly, I fell off the bandwagon for a long time. It was hard to, to watch because I just, it was hard to care. Um, yeah, when the, when the Jazz aren't making the playoffs for seven straight years, it's where before it was like 20 or something straight years mm-hmm. of the playoffs. And yeah. you weren't just first round. You were you were always had a shot for Western Conference Finals. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was tough. Man. But, I mean, even with that, I mean, like, the Jazz are fun to watch. Even if they didn't make the playoffs this year, even back when, you know, the tank note was trending, there were butts in seats because the Jazz, they put on a fun show. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, this is an entertainment industry, and the Jazz are entertaining, which means that they're a successful franchise. 
I know that the fans want to say, well, no, a successful franchise is consistently making the playoffs and winning titles and, you know, getting individual awards like Rookie of the Year and Coach of the Year. All of that contributes to the success. But regardless of the outcomes of the games, they're fun to watch. The Jazz can lose, and as a fan, I'm still having fun watching it. Yeah. And win or lose, it's just fun watching the progression of the team, watching mm-hmm. everyone kind of click, figure out the offense, just figure out how to play with one another, watching Donovan Mitchell's development from his first five games where you're like, oh, it's going to, might be a long year. You know, we were expecting a savior after Gordon Hayward returned, and he, <laughs> he honestly somehow turned into one. Mm-hmm. It took him five games, and then it just clicked. And Coach Schneider's even gone on to say, too, like, he's learning what takes people years he's learning in th- like three months mm-hmm. he's a quick learner he's always trying to help out his game and you can you it's so visible you can watch it you can watch like two games ago he was making a certain mistake and you watch in today's game or whatever he's no longer making that mistake or at least is doing his best to get away from making that mistake so yeah they're yeah they're fun yeah it's it's a good time to be a jazz fan a lot of people are tuning back in the state and the city are embracing the team again in a way that hasn't been done since the Sloan era. It's a lot of fun. Um, if you haven't checked them out, it, it, it's time. Coming from a guy that, that fell off the bandwagon for a long, long time and was just a casual jazz fan, it's time to turn your TV back on. It's time to go purchase a ticket and get into that new arena. It is time to, once again, proudly call yourself a jazz fan because they're fun and they're good. And if you don't like basketball, at least go out and check out the new facility. Oh, it's beautiful. They put like actual restaurants in there. It's beautiful. It's awesome. So yeah, go check them out. Um, and and thanks for uh, thanks for for tuning in again. Um, this has been a, a fun discussion that we've been having. Uh, I'm Alex Lundberg. He's Cameron Peterson. Find us on Twitter at twenty seven Lundy at Cam seventeen Pete. Uh, and as always, reach out to us. Let us know what you want to hear about. Let us know what you're passionate about. What sports you like. We'll do our best to learn about them and, and talk about them and things like that. We'll try our best to, to get guests on the line that you want to hear from and you know provide some semi-decent takes. Uh, it's, it's been fun. Cameron, thank you. Thanks. And uh, we'll see you next time. This has been A La Carte Sports.